allow me to sketch out an analogy that you might use to run yourself more enjoyably. Imagine the following in terms of physical pain and pleasure. If I accidentally touch a hot burner on a stove, I will immediately jerk my hand away because of the pain. I will not debate whether I should or I shouldn't, or start wondering who turned it on. My movement is away and it's immediate. Now, suppose I'm petting a dog or cat or touching a satin or velour pillow. I may continue this behavior for some time. Why? Because I enjoy the sensation and I am in charge. Of course, I will eventually stop, whether it's to answer the phone or simply because I've had enough. However, there's no urgency in the stopping. In this model of physical behavior, it's clear that we tend to interrupt pain and extend pleasure, similar to how we operate the remote control on the TV. In my presentation of this idea to clients and students, I may use a couple of sheets of paper to represent the burner and the velour, with rapid redrawal from one sheet, pain, and lingering on the other, pleasure. Then I suggest that we usually do just the opposite when it comes to our emotional behaviors, extending the time on the burner and minimizing time on the velour. That may sound bizarre, yet it seems to be embedded in our cultural heritage. Think about the Puritans. They seemed to be postponing their happiness until they reached heaven, not now. From what I read, their motto might have been, stamp out joy and wait until later. Since we are living downstream from them, it's no surprise that we follow some of their residuals. How does this show up? One way is that we live in as soon as mode. Starting as youngsters, we might say, as soon as I get into high school, I'll be happy, followed by, as soon as I graduate, I'll be happy. The flow continues, as soon as I get a job, as soon as I get a new car, as soon as I get married, as soon as I have children, as soon as I get the college expenses paid off, etc. The next to the last one is, as soon as I retire, with the last one, as soon as I get out of this nursing home. We can live our whole life in this anticipatory mode of happiness just around the corner. Reaching a goal is followed by a new goal where the payoff is equally transitory. Another aspect of our puritanical heritage is our distrust of feeling good. This is revealed in statements such as the following. I'm feeling too good. It can't last. I'm going to have to pay for this time. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm wary of feeling too good because I know there'll be a downer following it. And so on. We've absorbed this attitude and behavior as we grew up. And we spend precious little time on feeling good. Quickly removing our hand from the psychological velour. This is similar to you using the remote to find a program that we do not enjoy. When we use the remote to get on psychological pain, we tend to extend our time on the burner. There are a number of burners, guilt, depression, worry, jealousy, apprehension, anger, envy, to name a few. How do we extend the time? By analyzing, going over and over the topic, attempting to figure out the how, what, why, when, 
where as well as how it could be different. An example might be when a person has an argument with their spouse at breakfast and then spends considerable time going over it, hand on the burner, when they are in the car alone, yet blaming the spouse for their upset. Further, on the way home, they are likely to spend their drive going over it again. Wouldn't you think that if it were the spouse that is responsible, wouldn't the spouse need to be present? If the driver realized that they were at the wheel, they could turn the channel to something more pleasant like music they enjoy. That would be revolutionary, wouldn't it? Possible, but not if you're operating yourself from the back seat. I like the quote from Oscar Wilde, life is far too important to be taken seriously. In my interaction with clients, I will invite them to consider joining me in doing some delight as we talk about serious topics. I might say that we will talk about serious subjects, but we don't need to do grim. I once gave a talk at a psychological meeting with the title, The Importance of Not Being Earnest in Therapy. The blurb accompanying the title was, Marlowe asks the question, if you are a serious therapist, who needs you? He explores the use of comics and humor, even whimsy. Since you are likely to be doing seriousness about what you are hearing, you may question the appropriateness of my approach to dealing with clients in distress. Here is my rationale. The typical client, if there is such a person, is not feeling good, and they want to feel better. That is the bottom line. They want to feel better. Unfortunately, they are typically operating themselves from the back seat, where they are at the effect of circumstances or other people. They are blind to their internal sovereignty. My approach as a coach or consultant that they have hired is to invite them to consider using their own inescapable power on their own behalf. Notice I use the word invite since I am unable to teach them or convince them. I'm even impotent to influence them in any way because they have been left in charge of themselves. Once I say what I say, then the client makes up or interprets what I said insofar as the client is concerned. Clients who create value for themselves tend to continue for additional sessions. Clients who do not make up value simply do not make additional appointments. Clearly a case of self-selection. My thinking is very different from the way I thought when I first became a therapist. At that time, I thought I had to be very careful about what I said. It was as if I had to be cautious about what I said because if I said the wrong thing, the client might go over the edge. I was operating myself as if I were in charge of the client's mental health. As a result of this early thinking, I was very uptight in my interactions. This led to a somewhat laughable situation. A client who was uptight sought help from a person who was uptight, obviously ridiculous. After I changed my mind, I felt free to say what I thought and left it up to the client to make up whatever they wanted. Thus, I began to enjoy my sessions with clients instead of role modeling uptightness. I naturally modeled ease, an invitation to the client to do ease as well. 